when we press play on this, time stops. I haven't thought about my texts. I haven't thought about my emails. I haven't thought about any of the tasks I have to do. Time just stops. That's another way to find your obsession. It's flow state. Flow state. When time stops, and, I, and like I put this on my story yesterday, one of the reasons I got into content production in the first place is I am obsessed with time and the moments I get to have with other people. But I forget a lot of them. I can't keep all those memories in my mind, but if I scroll through my phone and I scroll through my Instagram, I can selfishly look back on my life and the people that have been in it and give myself a smile. And I think people just don't see it that way. And I want to help other people understand that that could be the story you're telling yourself in your head when you're producing content. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. In today's episode, we have my friend Yash Chityeni coming on as host. One of Thrive's goals is to help other people expand their skill sets and reach new levels of their potential. While Yash tests his ability as host, we simultaneously worked on a different camera and lighting setup to bring to future episodes. During the combo, Yash and I have an in-depth conversation around the areas of health, wealth, and wisdom, and what I am currently doing to expand in all those areas. I believe he did a wonderful job during this, and I would love if you would reach out to him and let him know if you have the same thought. Let's welcome today's host, Yash Chityeni. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finney here again with another episode of the Thrive and Life podcast, and we are switching it up today. We got a new camera set up. We're chilling in my kitchen. We're testing a few things. And one of those things that we're testing is putting Yash Chitnyeni on the spot. He's going to be hosting today's podcast uh, for two reasons. One, Yash is trying to step it up his own content game and kind of put himself out there. And here at Thrive, we're always trying to help other people get to their next level. So we decided, why not you jump on, host a podcast uh, with me as the guest, which also allows us, we have different lighting and different camera setups than we do usually. And we're testing a few things here. So normally I record in HD and today I'm recording in 4K. I switch a couple settings that hopefully allow my cameras not to overheat. We'll see if that happens. I'd much rather do that with myself than do it with other guests that I have on here. So I just want to thank Yash uh, for coming by and help me out with that. And the second reason uh, that we're doing this today is new ideas, just always trying to switch it up and keep things fresh. And I love to uh, kind of shoot the shit with my friends and here's an opportunity to do that. So I have no idea what I'm getting myself into today, but we'll leave it up to Yash to take it from here. I uh, thank you for that introduction. I shot you this idea this past week or a couple of weeks ago because uh, you lit a bit of fire underneath me where uh, you approached me and said, you talked to me about Saren, which is my company, and you've said this multiple times, and you've not necessarily put this out there. So you're either going to have this out there or you're just going to shut the 
about about it and i was like wow okay <laughs> i guess i gotta oh, you gotta tell them the whole context man so saren is what saren is my baby well uh my business baby on uh i want to bring out stories which is my podcasting agency i have a podcasting agency where i try and uh, highlight people's podcasts and market through there and, and what does saren stand for saren stands short for serendipity and I really believe in that life is all about showing up and my life has turned out to be where I show up to a place and there's fortunate discoveries that just tend to happen. And I believe that happens through sharing stories and that's what Saren was created from. And I have a huge passion for it, purpose for it, to try and get behind my own story and other people's stories. And yeah, it was it was great having that conversation with you, which I'll get into the weeds of as we, not necessarily in this episode, but it kind of put me in a place where I was like, had a chance to sit down, reflect, like, wow, I have spoken about this with my dear friends. And if this really does mean a lot to me, being able to share other people's stories and being able to have them maximize their potential in life, then I got to put myself out there. Um, and I haven't done that. I haven't taken my own step to be able to necessarily do it. And I've always been behind the camera, kind of doing it for others. So it was kind of a reality check in dose from you where uh, that specific sentence stood out to me. And I was like, okay, I guess it's time for me to make a couple tweaks here and there. And I got to do my first guest hosting of the How Do You Health podcast. And uh, as soon as that happened, I was feeling the buzz. And I was like, all right, I'm going to text you. I love your podcast. And I feel like some of the things that you have aligned with what Saren and why I created Saren was to be able to bring out this fuel inside of people. And uh, I love how you've broken it into the various parts through health, wealth, wisdom, um, and all things associated with what constitutes us, uh, our human experience. So I wanted to use this episode to kind of go through using you as the host of your own podcast to be able to go through some prior episodes and just pick out, you know, a few like learnings, takeaways that you've taken that might've challenged yourself where I feel thrive on life to me as a listener has become this thing where I listen to it and I'm like, Oh, I get the chance to see how people are thriving in various parts in their life. And I'm picking up these tiny tools um, one of the first things that I associate every time I listen to your podcast is I'm like, you know, Tim Ferriss created this podcast where he's picking up these conversations, having them, and he's, he wrote that book, Tools of Titans. And I feel that every time you speak to someone, it's like you're adding to your tool belt. And I want to start with jumping into health as uh, one of the first topics. You have uh, shared a story multiple times about what drove you into partially joining How Do You Health as a business in which we're uh, business partners in. And um, that story that really resonates with me and I get to share with my family, friends, etc., has been the aspect of you getting autoimmune disease or finding that stuff where you were like, I look good, I do all these things, but I'm not feeling good internally. And it just took you to this place of like, I need to get more investigative, like try and understand why is it that I'm not feeling good, even though I have all of these things. And I feel that that is reflected on your podcast. And recently you shared something on your stories 
which um, caught my eye about your new training program, per se, as you're going towards High Rock. You started working with a Dr. Kevin Kirsch, a physical therapist. So uh, I wanted to ask you, like, what it feels like people, when they train, when they've got, like you, you are, I, I would say, a peak performer. What was the inquisitiveness? Was it the podcast itself that led you towards, I'm going to now add this new training program where I find these deficiencies? Or was it vice versa? You did that, you got on the podcast, and then you learned a whole lot of things about things that are missing from your health aspect. First of all, great question and great way to line up this episode. I'm super excited to kind of dive into all this stuff. So thank you for that. I would say the answer is neither of what you just said. It's stubbornness kind of led me here. It's one of those things that whether you're dealing with your physical, mental, or spiritual health, a lot of people stumble upon answers based on previous mistakes. And for me, when I look at training and improving myself, I look at where have I been stubborn and kind of hurt myself in the long run by being stubborn. So it could look like multiple different ways. It could be not stretching before you go on a run and working out and then getting injured and then realizing I need to do a better job of warming up. Or it could be the aftermath. It could be you trained really hard, but then you're not recovering, you're not sleeping well, so you're constantly feeling burnout. For me, I've always been really good at, okay, prior to working out, I'm good. I, I kind of navigate my own body well. And then after, if you watch me or listen to me, I'm all about recovery. Where I've failed is being stubborn with the little things that I know within my body that don't function like they should. And then brick by brick, I'm just laying extra stress on those things that aren't working well. So in particular to me, I tore my hamstring in college playing soccer. And when I look back on that, I had a Band-Aid solution for that. I kept playing. I played through it, played through the pain, did whatever it took to play that season. But then I didn't rehab it afterwards. I didn't even think about it. I just kept going the way that I was going. What that then did was created an imbalance. And Kevin, if we're talking about Kevin, he probably doesn't like that word, or I, I've seen him post about how we naturally as humans, let me clarify this, we all have like imbalances and different things that are quirky about our own body. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get injured or mean that we're going to be deficient in any, in any way. But I physically had an injury that caused a lot of pain and a lot of trauma. And I didn't reflect and ask myself, what is the next step with this process? I just kept going along the process as if I never had that pain or that trauma. And you can use this in all different walks of life. So it could be physical or it could be mental. So you could have some mental trauma that you go through and you never process it. And then you just keep going and then it shows up later in life, right? Anybody that's human being, I think that's happened to all of us. We've had trauma when we were a kid, shows up later in life in some circumstance. Then we're like, ah, I need to change. For me in the physical realm, that's what it was. I got injured. It kind of messed up my right, it was my left hamstring, messed up my right hip, and I just kept going for years. And now that I do consider myself a peak performer as well, like I would put myself up against some of the top athletes in the world in certain categories, I look in the mirror and I say, it's not how much harder I can go now. It's I need to reflect on my past and what has held me back. And that's where fixing 
the pain I get when I do deadlifts and squats, kettlebell swings. Why do I hurt my back when I do kettlebell swings? So it's more intuitive of learning why do I tend to get injured or feel pain during certain movement patterns and how do I correct those movement patterns so that moving forward when I am in an event or am putting my body to the test, I don't internally feel fearful of injury, which then means I'm preventing my own trauma moving forward. Because if I do get injured, that's more trauma to then uncover and figure out. So long-winded answer, but again, I think that it can apply to not only physical health, but mental and spiritual as well. Yeah. I'm really glad that you brought up the trauma processing and something that I feel that in my own life too, it's just kind of like you feel a buzz and it's like the buzzing sound. Sometimes just you're like, it's a buzz. It's not necessarily a loud knock. And until I feel like it's a loud knock, sometimes you ignore buzzes. And uh, it's impacted me on my mental side, but it's great that you brought up this physical since I've dealt personally with a lot of back pain and I've let that become like this buzz, buzz. And I know you and I had a few conversations around um, something that I picked up from you is like, well, that buzz is telling you that pain exists somewhere and it's not necessarily your back. It's that imbalance that could, uh, Kevin might not like it, but could exist somewhere else. And I feel me personally getting into the gym and kind of working on my like glutes and hamstrings more so has taken off that load on what felt like, oh man, it's a back issue. It's a back issue. It wasn't a back issue. Yeah. And I want to have a point around the imbalance and why it's a conflicting word. The reason that there's conflict around that word is people take it as I'm naturally imbalanced. So I'm never, it's going to affect me like my whole life. It's going to have a negative impact where the reality is as a human being, like you're just not built to be symmetrical, but you can be built to understand how you move and how your movement patterns are affecting all your muscles and your nervous system. So it's going to look different for everybody, but don't associate because maybe for me, like my left hip, when I squat goes down a little bit lower than my right, don't associate that with you have a bad squat or that you're going to get injured or that you're going to have a ton of pain. Because for someone else, it might be different. They might have a little bit of an imbalance and like they've never had pain and they're, they're just good to go. For me, it's always, do I have the pain? And is the pain because of exertion or is the pain because of I'm probably not doing something correctly in the right movement pattern? And that's a, that's a hardcore distinction that people need to make. And a lot of people don't because most of the times they exert themselves, they're, they're not used to exerting themselves a lot. So they do that exertion, then they're in pain. Then they're like, oh, I'm not, never going to exert myself again. That's, that's a huge struggle in today's society versus I go run 150 miles while I ran 24 of the 150 of the relay race. And when I look back and I feel pain from that, I know it's not because of the way I was moving. It was because I put myself through some trauma technically, and now I need to recover. And then two or three days later, I'm back to running because I was focused on what is my movement pattern when I'm running. I want to make sure that I'm breathing correctly. I want to make sure that my feet are striking correctly so that I prevent the trauma moving forward. And that's the difference between exertion and causing pain through exertion or like literally causing pain just because you don't understand your body and you don't understand how you should, you should be moving, whether it's frontal, lateral, or transverse plane. Yeah. Speaking of exertion, 
it feels like I have, when I first saw you as an observer, as an outsider, I guess my intuition was like, oh, here's a person who goes hard all the time. And that's not the case. Like you said, I know how to take care of my body pre, I would do those things, but it feels like some of the guests that you've brought on that have enjoyed some conversations in the health space has been someone who has pushed the limits. Eric Hinman being one, for example, and then Taylor as well, I believe you brought on recently who just ran a 50 miler. So this is like kind of now getting to the point of like testing the human limits and seeing where can we go push past. What has there been the key points from those guys that you've like adapted into your training environment that you might not have had prior in those conversations that might've clicked for you as, Hey, Eric is doing a certain something and I'm not. And this is now the key for me to be able to unlock something new in my, in my physical realm. I think the biggest thing I've taken from Eric is focus. That man, like if you get the chance to work out with him and I highly recommend if you're listening to this and you're competing with yourself, you're training to become an optimal human being, find a way to train with him at least once in your life. When that clock starts, it's game time. And he could be anywhere. It could be in a gym. It could be in his backyard. It could be in his garage. As soon as that clock starts of what the workout is, he's dialed. And that's something I've struggled with since I've left competitive sports. So when I played competitive college soccer, I take myself as somebody that's super relaxed most of the time and fun and, and happy-go-lucky. But when it's game time, once the clock strikes one second, I'm very competitive. And like I switch, that switch turns on. And since college, I have struggled to find that arena. And that's where I think Hyrox has helped a little bit is like finding that switch. And then learning how to turn that switch on for myself in my training. I used to be so hesitant to do that because training was a mentally healthy outlet for me. It's like therapy. So I didn't necessarily always want to go to that point. I didn't want to have it turned off. I didn't want to be turned off by working out. I didn't want to have to feel like it was a job. But something I learned from him is that you can do both. It can be something where even in the same day, your first training session can be something super dialed, but then you go on a mountain bike ride and you have a ton of fucking fun. Not to say that that first workout isn't fun, but he showed me this new way of kind of training. And that's where, for me, what that looks like practically is in a day, I usually typically pick, it's either my run that's going to be serious or my lift that's going to be serious. So if my lift is going to be serious that day, I'm going to go for a run or ride my bike or do whatever and listen to a podcast and just enjoy myself, be in the sun. If it's my run that's going to be serious that day, well, then I'm just going to do some handstands and enjoy myself whatever that movement looks like. So that's the biggest takeaway I have from him. And then from Taylor to flip it, because Eric, this is his lifestyle. It's every day. Taylor is not somebody that I would consider someone that's training twice a day. And he does this kind of like on the side. It's more of a passion project for himself. What he taught me was that you can literally go from one area of your life to the next 
without having much preparation. Like we think that we need to plan and we need to prep and we need to do all these things, but he had like never ran in his life. And the first race he signs up for is like a 50 miler. So you don't have to be a runner or consider yourself somebody that's an athlete to do hard things. You can shift who you are just by signing up for something and just saying, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this happen. And I don't have to categorize myself as this certain type of person. And again, you can, we have two cameras rolling and lights here. You don't need all this to be a quote unquote content creator or a podcaster. You can shift tomorrow, today. You don't have to train for months for something. Yeah, it's like usually the person, you can't create your identity until you actually start doing this thing. Um, I feel too often we get wrapped up in creating a version of, I believe that identity exists and I need to create this set set of plans and then you just get end up stuck. I believe I read something from uh, one of my favorite accounts, Visualized Value, um, person asked the question, um, I overthink a lot, can you help me? And his response to that was overthinking usually means underacting. And to your point, I feel like Taylor, he was like, I just haven't created myself this identity of this running thing. I'm going to, it might sound extreme. I'm just going to do it and sign myself up for it and work backwards. And, you know, I've taken a pointer from you with the, it's something I find myself guilty of with this thinking aspect that you brought up was trying to create a system plan for running. And you were like, just run three miles a day. For a what month. do you, what do you get out of thinking? That that's the thing that confuses me. It's like, what do people get out of just sitting there thinking? And it, you can't, if you're not watching this on video, you're just seeing me like look into the lights and just look like a chipmunk, honestly. But what do I get by just sitting here thinking? I think that a lot of people just end up in this position of thinking about these hypotheticals, but you're right. You don't, you don't get any end result out of it. It's a state of not being able to tap into, like you said, with Eric, the focus of like, I just need one, my one thing that's present in front of me and I'm going to focus on that. And they let the mind just wander and I'm guilty of myself. I just let the mind wander into the unknown. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Yash. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, 
sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Yash Chityani. All right, we're back on here. We had one of our cameras overheat. We're going to see if it does it again, but this is the reason we do stuff like this and just experiment and try new things so that way we can see what works and what doesn't work. Not really sure where we left off. Yash was killing it so far, so looking forward to the last half of this conversation. Let it rip. I want to get back towards focus. You brought up one of the things that Eric has really introduced to your overall health aspect within training has just been just dialing it in as soon as that clock ticks in. And that really resonated with me personally, where I feel like sport is where the focus like went up notches. And when it wasn't sport, I just felt like there was a bit more of like in my mind, some lollygagging. I was like not necessarily in tune and a personal thing that I noticed for myself as a crutch or just has been very beneficial has been using the creatine from MSW, the boost creatine. I feel that as I introduced that into my regimen, if I'm doing strength-based training, after taking that, I walk in and it feels like my mind is locked about, I'm about to go do this. And I just feel there's no, there's like no distraction, et cetera. That was like an added thing on top of obviously planning out what I'm going to do. But it feels like since doing that, my focus has been just laser sharp and I just feel like I can go on forever too. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's great that you brought up focus um, in essence too, because today's episode that you dropped that I just had a chance to listen to part of it was uh, how to be productive in a distracted world. And I resonate with uh, partially this where I feel like putting on too many buckets, uh, too many hats, trying to do X, Y, Z. And one of the things that Tan, I hope I pronounced that properly, mentioned uh, from a neuroscience standpoint is that you could technically just do one thing at a time. Do you feel that there was realizations that you took from this specific episode uh, when you spoke with him for yourself? Because I feel that you are a person who does a lot of different things. You put on a lot of different hats, um, working in various businesses. Was there a mindset shift that this episode that you were able to say, you know, I'm doubling down on this focus thing. I can't really focus on a lot of stuff. Dan brought up, I think the biggest thing for me that he made me realize, I'm not a big multitasker. I work on a lot of things, but I don't, multitask that much. So that was something that I've learned previously that like anytime that I'm trying to do multiple things at one time, like if anybody watches me, my wife will rag on me all the time for this. It's just like, there's no, she, she, women can get, get away with multitasking, I think, but I either got to go all in or not in at all. <laughs> that kind of sounds weird. Um, <laughs> but for me, when he mentioned the the meetings of the three W's of who does what by when, I think that is what helped me. Cause you don't need to do that with other people. You can do that with yourself. Like just saying, I'm going to do X by when is a hack in most scenarios. If I ask people, okay, let's, let's say we're still on health. What is your health goal? Oh, I want to lose weight. 
That's the response. Okay, how many pounds? Why do you want to lose that many pounds? What date do you want to lose those pounds by? They're going to be resistant to giving you a date. Or on the other end, they're going to give you an unrealistic date. Oh, I want to lose 30 pounds in one month. Like, bullshit, that's not going to happen. Nor should you want it to happen because that means you're not doing something in a healthy manner. The reality is we love to procrastinate as human beings. We know what we have to do. Most people that struggle, let's say health, wealth, knowledge, they struggle to read or they struggle to go to class. It's not because they don't know that they should be doing those things. So when you look at life and you reflect and you look at the root, for somebody that multitasks, the question I have is what are they feeding? What are they getting fed when they multitask? So when you multitask, what is that feeding in your ego? So I wanted to slightly correct myself on that. With the multitasking, I think I could like listen to music in the background and then work on something. Partially at times I'm editing a video. But I'm, is listening to music a task? I suppose not. It's just the background process that takes place. Yeah, it's, it, it's not active. Um, I, in this case, when you brought up the question, it's active tasks of multitasking. Can you do your accounting and edit a video at the same time? No. That's multitasking. Yep. Can you read your email and edit a video at the same time? Nope, you cannot. But, but sometimes we do. Sometimes yeah. we're like editing a video and then an email pops up and then you go switch to the email and then you get a DM and you switch to the DM and then you get back to your, your editing and you're like, shit, where was I? Yeah. I think we live in a world full of noise and I think the multitasking is a great thing. Did the where email need to be answered? Did the DM need to be answered? Nope. Not at all. I think that when you work on a task, it's going to signal just that's your only thing that you got to get yourself towards. Was there a specific thing where he broke down in this episode, like why we tend to do that? And like, what is it that you can do more to just step away from it? Because it's like, it's one thing where people tend to do it, but how do you get in position to go, I keep doing this. How do I get myself to not? I don't know if you touched on that. If I had to assume what the response would be, it would be, we all just want to be liked and loved. Hmm. So the, the more we do, and the more we, we respond to, we feed that need to be liked. That's what I would assume his response would be. For me, responding, thinking about your second part of that question of what does somebody do to break that is ask yourself if you like yourself when you're multitasking and you forget stuff and things aren't done well. That's what helps me. Once I start realizing that I didn't do this to the quality that I wanted it done to, and I feel bad about myself, that's when the breaking point hits for me. If I can't show up and feel like I am giving 150% to whatever I'm doing, I won't do it because then I feel bad about myself. Like you said, you're all in or not in. Yeah. <laughs> um, now it took years of being one-tenth of the way in, in various areas of my life and that was due to insecurity. That was due to not having to have responsibility. And I think everybody wants the $100,000 a year salary with the $10,000 a year work ethic. They want to do the bare minimum, but make the maximum. 
And that was me for a long time. I wanted it all without really understanding how much effort and work I'm going to have to put in to get what I actually want out of life. And then once you start realizing I need to own everything that I do and everything that I do do comes back to my brand and my reputation, I'm going to be very careful with what I attach that brand and that reputation towards. I uh, love this answer because I feel something that based on conversations that I've had with people about your podcast with thriving on life, it's kind of just like trying to better understand yourself for what is it that really brings out the joy inside of you and how you can go about thriving. In a recent episode that you had with Danny Miranda and Zach Pargrub, you spoke about, uh, they, you guys had a conversation on follow your obsession. I feel extrapolating this conversation around multitasking and taking it to a higher level, a person who feels like I don't have an obsession, I need to figure out my obsession, tends to put themselves in the shoes of, I got to do all these things. Based on those conversations and based on what you've gone through, your own experiences, how do you believe that uh, someone is now at that stone of like, I got to go find my obsession and I don't really know what it is, but I know that I can't multitask necessarily. So how do you get to speeding up this process if there is a speed up process for finding obsession? What is keeping you from finding obsession? So going back to health, if someone is overweight, how'd they get over, how'd they become overweight? If somebody is not obsessed in their life or if somebody struggles to find their obsession, why? I believe my response to that is I think that there's people who've not been able to per se go all in on one thing where they feel that's, that's what it's funny how different our answers are. They are not obsessed because they've been following other people's obsessions. They've been following other people's stories, whether it's their parents or their friends or their family, they've been listening to other people based on what they think their obsession should be. Oh, I should go to school and get my college degree to get my job because that's what I'm supposed to do. That's why they couldn't find their obsession because they're not following their own story. Uh, That's very, you know, I actually wholeheartedly agree with that. I was uh, on my road trip recently and I'm reading a few excerpts here and there and came across this theory called by Rene Girard, mimetic theory. And he came across this theory that humans don't have their own desires and most, if not, Yeah, uh, a lot of the desires stem from imitating what others want. So that corresponds with your answer. And that's the theory gets into further aspects of why conflict, et cetera, gets created. But I strongly started sensing on a smaller pattern day to day, like looking at why people end up just doing fit behavior on like on lock. And it's just something they don't pay attention to. And it is mimetic. We're obsessed with getting the grade. We're not obsessed with learning. It's that simple. We're taught since age of five to be obsessive over that letter grade or that number grade that someone of power, that teacher is of power in that moment 
tells us whether we are good or not good. And it flaws us for the rest of our life. Yeah. I think at a younger age, I believe when you're given the wrong reward system, you tend to now have it reshape your brain towards what exactly is the reward where it goes back to wanting to be liked. Yeah. Are you liked as much if you get a 100 versus a 70? If I got 70s, I wasn't liked as much. I'm the dumb kid. If I got 100s, oh, I'm getting patted on the back by my teachers, the guidance counselors, my parents. It strips you of your own, um, I guess. But what if you were the kid that was obsessed with art? Yep. And you could, within an hour, produce something that the kid that gets 100s could never produce in a lifetime. Yeah, this is a re reshaping of, I guess, how the school system would work itself and being able to change that. I'm glad you brought that up as an answer because you are a newly, uh, I don't know what the term is, but you newly found out that you're going to be a dad. And given how vocal you are about our medical system, the health system, and then the education system and understanding systems are in place to kind of build, in essence, bad habits or not necessarily set one up for success. Does this mean that you're looking towards wanting to per se say, I want to take an alternative path? Yes and no. The thing is, the current system educates hundreds of millions of people to a certain standard. So we have to ask ourselves, is it better that people go through the system than not go through any system and it's just the wild west? So when I look at it from there, from that lens, I'm like, okay, yes, the answer is a hundred percent. I'd rather there be a structure where people that have nothing can go through a system that could potentially lead to them having everything that they've ever wanted because that has happened. It's not a 0% chance that you go through the system and you become, you make something of yourself. I'm an example of that. I went through the normal system and I'm working towards a life I really, really love. So that means that statistically somebody else could do the same thing. The opposite end of that is the point of the human race, I believe, is to reflect on the sliver that we get let's say zero to 100 years for those that live to 100? And how do we make it more quality for those that come after us? Now, everyone argues over what quality looks like. So I'm not even going to go there. They're going to argue over politics, education, health, like what quality is the standard there? What I challenge us to do is to reflect and say, You cannot standardize human beings, period. You can't standardize health. You can't standardize education. You can't standardize politics. But we keep trying to bucket things when humans are not meant to be in a bucket. We adapt over and over and over again. We change. We become new people. We produce. We create. We provide. We live multiple lifetimes in one life because of this amazing brain that we have. To be able to just reshape ourselves, recreate yourself towards... For 10 years, I partied super fucking hard. One day I wake up and I'm like, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I've lived a completely different life these past 14 months than I lived previously. 
I can't even remember being that last person. That's the craziest thing. Like I can, I have memories, lucid memories, but they're so small. Like I know who I am right now. So as humans, trying to standardize that is where we really falter. We should be asking ourselves as a unique individual, what is the most important path and the best decision I can make right now? So for our future child and Aaron's future child, I don't even want to standardize them before they come out. I want to understand who that little being is. Where are they passionate? What lights them up? What brings them joy? And then make a decision in that moment. And then every year, make the best decisions moving forward for that little being. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I, With the identity recreation, I want to make a slight pivot towards you've now done this podcast for what feels about three years, I believe. That's 210 episodes in the that you've got down. And um, like you said, why do people spend a whole lot of time thinking? What does it satisfy? But I'm sure when you started episode one, you had maybe a few expectations. Looking back to those memories, where do you think it has had a turn and twist that was of not in shape of what you saw at episode one to episode 50? To now at episode 210, the podcast growing in a way where you were just like, it's changed more than I had pictured myself going down that direction. Amazing question. And I think the best response is you don't really expect things from your obsessions. I systemized it and I said from zero to 50, I'm going to be obsessed with just getting comfortable being a host. I don't care what it looks like. It could, I literally, one episode, I had a whisk and I was handing a fucking whisk around as our mic. I put a lav mic on a whisk. Hamza and Fayez, they'll remember this, in my apartment and living room. I didn't care how it looked. I didn't care how it sounded. I just was obsessed with becoming a better host. The reason I was obsessed with becoming a better host was I wanted to be a better communicator. The reason I wanted to be a better communicator is I wanted to be a better listener for myself and everyone around me so that I can reach some of the higher level goals that I have in my life. So I attached my purpose to something much bigger than getting downloads on a podcast. And I think that's the number one rule that people need to make when they start anything is get rid of the expectations, understand what metric you're really going for. The metric that I was really going for was something that's intangible just to communicate better so that on the street, at the airport, when I'm traveling, at a restaurant, I can communicate better and articulate in a more reliable, stress-free, calm manner. Because you know me, I'm, I'm wired. I'm like fired up all the time. That, that's not always received in the right way. So when I reflected on myself and who I wanted to become as a human, that's where podcasting fit into that. So zero to 50 was just hosting. 50 to 100 was systemizing. Okay, who can help me create the project management of the podcast? What type of gear? So I didn't have headsets before then or cameras. I was just using GoPros and my phone. 100 to 150 was, okay, how do I run some ads? How do I figure that out? What does that look like? What's pre-roll, mid-roll, post? 150 to 200 was really, I need to get better at creating content for guests because I found out that the real value to whoever's on here 
is somebody listening <laughs> to the podcast, right? Go figure. <laughs> but what is the metric for them to get people to listen? They need something to market the podcast. So I really focus on what type of content is working right now. And then 200 on, now it's really like, I'm almost back at zero. I'm, I'm reformulating okay, if I have zero constraints and I want to like take this podcast to the moon, well, what does the moon look like? And that's where I want to do more creative stuff. I want to create more art. So conversations are great. I love them. I make such good relationships with people through this. I'm going to keep doing that. But I also want to create art. And art sometimes is ugly. So today we're recording art in my eyes. It's in my kitchen. Like I would never do this again, probably because I'm building out another studio, but we're testing this out, testing different lighting, testing the cameras because it keeps the process fun and enjoyable. And it feels like I'm a little kid painting on a canvas again. Yeah. I. Uh... But there was no, let me be very clear. There's never been, I'd never set a goal of downloads or anything like that because I've just been obsessed with the process. Now there will be a day I want to be also clear on this. There will be a day where I will set a goal for the downloads and things like that. I'm just not there yet. I'm still figuring out what is this? Who am I serving? Why am I serving them? How can I best serve them? And then the downloads, when I do make that day of how many downloads I want, it won't be, I'm going to, I need to get these downloads or else it's, I believe I can impact this many people and I'm going to go do it. And that's just my fruit that I would say that the tree is going to bear when I get there. I like that you haven't necessarily picked that as the metric, the downloads. And I think I got to become more involved with you once you got around to like 150 and just kind of seeing how you were like, I'm going to flip the switch on, make this experience for the guests so that they can walk away from this in a position where they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm thriving, not by just talking, but being able to show people that, hey, I got on this thing and I've got these little snippets of me just talking about what it is that I do. And that in turn, I think has resulted now for, I think from a metric standpoint, the more downloads, like seeing that as a tertiary, secondary thing, not necessarily making that the focus, but it results. We planted the seed. Yeah. And the seed is really for me, stopping time. Like when I turn, when we press play on this, time stops. I haven't thought about my texts. I haven't thought about my emails. I haven't thought about any of the tasks I have to do. Time just stops. That's another way to find your obsession. It's flow state. Flow state. When time stops, and, I, and like I put this on my story yesterday, one of the reasons I got into content production in the first place is I am obsessed with time and the moments I get to have with other people. But I forget a lot of them. I can't keep all those memories in my mind, but if I scroll through my phone and I scroll through my Instagram, I can selfishly look back on my life and the people that have been in it and give myself a smile. And I think people just don't see it that way. And I want to help other people understand that that could be the story you're telling yourself in your head when you're producing content. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I, you're, you being one of them. Yeah. Because you have so much fucking good art that is just on your computer or on your hard drives that the world deserves to see. And fuck everybody else, you need to put it out so that when you have a wife and you have kids, you can look back on it and be like, this is where I was at in this point in my life. And I'm damn fucking proud of every step I took since then. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, this is, this right here is one small step in that direction. And, uh, 
yeah, we'll see more to come. Um, I feel in this conversation, what I've covered uh, parts has been the health aspect and the wisdom. Um, the third umbrella that I wanted to get into was wealth. I feel proud uh, knowing you and just all that you've put your time into and the story that you shared with the whisk, with the mic, that's the bottom of wealth. You're, you're like, I'm going to make my dream still come true with nothing. And now you've got this sweet setup, this beautiful home that we're doing this podcast in. And it's obviously far away, not far away. It's still away from its finalized version. We're making do with this. And as we get into the finalized version, you're going to have this dream state, a beautiful podcast studio. Um, I, and on, I forget which episode, I think it was episode 187, you brought on Ian Grossman and um, he shared a few tips around buying a house and you've got this beautiful house here. Uh, when you went into this home buying process and for someone who is, I'm a content creator right now and I'm working up the steps, were there stuff that Ian shed for you that you're like, man, these are hacks that I kind of... I'm happy that Ian is sharing this because it's expediting my process. I was told that for me to go get a house, I got to like save up all this money. I got to do all these things. But now my eyes are open to these ways of wealth where I don't necessarily have to have all of these things by myself. Because a lot of pointers is you. there's a lot more help out there than people do know. And I, I think Ian delved into a couple. Was there one that really impacted you? Yeah, let's backtrack to how do I even know Ian? So the number one form of capital, the number one form of wealth is social capital. The more, it's not the more you know, it's the more your network knows. That's how you're going to get ahead in life. I don't, the pressure to know everything is so high because there's information everywhere. But you just need to know enough to build relationships with the people that are really good at what they fucking do. And I met Ian because I am super obsessed with small business and starting businesses. And Dr. Matt Delgado, LifeSpring Chiropractic, before it even became LifeSpring and what it is today, where it's thriving, it was just Dr. Matt renting a little room in somebody else's like office. And I met Matt and was willing to spend time with him and trade time and energy. He was helping me with my health. I was helping him with his wealth. He was then like, he met Ian and told Ian that he should meet with me. And I met him at Cherrywood Coffee House. And this is going back, it's got to be almost five years now. And when it came time to buy a house, and this goes into like building your brand, when it came time to, to buying a house, I worked with Ian, not because I didn't know other realtors, but Ian had built the brand and is the type of person that I wanted to be around. He's a family man. He's got two beautiful little girls, a beautiful wife. And they were building their dream together. And that's what I saw that I wanted to do with Aaron. So was, when I was reflecting, I was like, who do I want to work with? I want to work with somebody who's building something that I respect and I look up to and that I see myself doing. So when it came time to work with him and hit him up, it was already a win-win situation because we were friends and we knew that we could trust each other and help each other get to the level of life that we wanted. That's how that whole relationship started. Then when it comes to the actual practical tips and knowledge, you know, <laughs> validate this. Nobody asks more questions than I do. 
Like if you're working with me, you'll think you know a lot about what you do, but I will grill the heck out of you, whether Facts. it's like you're working on my truck or you're my realtor or you're Yash and you're doing media. Like even before this, we're trying to figure out why the USB camera thing wasn't working. And like, you see how obsessive I get in those moments. So Ian felt that from me. I was asking question after question after question. I feel like a lot of people in his position get annoyed by that. But the reason that I really love Ian is his patience and his willingness to treat me almost like a five-year-old. Like he didn't get annoyed with my questions. He was happy to answer them. And that's one of the reasons that I chose to, to work with him. And I highly recommend anybody listening to this, like come up with as many questions as you need. And the person that you should work with should be happy to help you in that manner. Second thing is understanding the rules of the game. So have your list of questions, but also work with somebody that understands the rules. And for me, the constraints are I'm an entrepreneur. So that if you're an entrepreneur out there and you're working on your own thing, there's going to be some rules that you have to play by that somebody that has a W-2 has a little bit more luxury. Now, most people stop there. They go, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't have enough money or I don't have enough access to capital. I'm not going to be able to buy a home. When the right view of it is asking yourself, there's other entrepreneurs out there that have bought houses before how they do it. For me, being married to Erin, she has a W-2. So we leverage her W-2. Fortunately, I've been building credit for a long time, have good credit, both of us. We get the house. Now, I brought the social capital into this whole mix where we worked with Ian. We understood what we were getting into. We made a really solid decision that paid off. She brought in the other side, the logistical capital of W-2, we check out, we have enough debt to income. If you're the entrepreneur right now and you don't have the wife or you don't have the significant other, if you're man, woman, whoever you're married to or engaged to or living with, if you don't have that person, your friend group, you might have somebody that has some extra money that is looking to invest put your business hat on and say, hmm, if I want a home, who in my family or friend group might have 5% to put down on this house, and then I'll give them a percentage extra on top of the mortgage. So that person's now making money, but you also are building equity for yourself to then as an entrepreneur, get another home in the future and then find another person that you could potentially partner with. And then by the time you're married or you do find that significant other, maybe they have a W-2, maybe they don't, who knows, but you're playing by the rules that you understand for yourself. And I think so many people just get a little bit of pushback. Oh, you're an entrepreneur. There's no way you're getting a house. And they just throw their hands up and they're like, that's it. I feel like I can say this because people know who I am and that like, if I didn't have Aaron, I'd still fucking find a way. That's just how I am. So... I looked up different ways because also I'm like, even though we're married, I want to fly by the seat of my pants. So I started researching like how much money do I have to make just on my own so that she could go buy a house and I could buy a house. And then like we can, 
build this empire together so that I'm not always, I, I hate being strapped to relying. So then I'm like, okay, well, what if my brother wants to get involved in things like this, right? He has the W-2. I have the knowledge. How do we partner? Some of my friends on the East Coast, same scenario. They want to get involved, but they've never done it. So I've learned all this. I have the, now the social capital and the wisdom and the knowledge to help them. And they have the stupid paper that says that they've been getting paid. <laughs> Literally, that's all it is. It's just like, hey, you've been getting paid for 24 months. When you're an entrepreneur, that's not really how it works all the time. It's like you have money funneling from, I was telling you earlier, the, the, the red lights I'm selling coming into my PayPal and like all these different ways. Like, um, yeah, I, I hope that helps though. It's just like, I really want to dial in that there's different rules for different people and you need to understand those rules. And even if it is a rule, question that rule and find people willing to bend the rules a little bit. Yeah. Um, I love bending rules. That's that hits home with me. But I like what you brought up with the distinction between you and Aaron. And I think social capital goes a long way. And we were listening to something earlier about share your ideas. You just don't know who else might step up to it. And I feel I've had a few stories where I posted, hey, I think I'm interested in wanting to buy a house. I have one. Anyone else? And I got massive responses about, uh, yeah, home share purchasing sounds incredible. And I personally am doing this with my own family and fortunate enough where they're the ones providing capital and I'm like gone through this knowledge process. So it's great where you can just keep sharing your ideas. And the more you share that, I think it's going to attract someone else into a position to help you, which you didn't know existed. The biggest tip that I feel like I took away in my own home buying process and listening to Ian talk about it was there's just too many tiny details. And what you said with Ian and the social capital stuck out for me. You're not going to get all this information. Just turn to this person that gives you that sense of authority, safety, where you're like, I'm going to go to this person and expedite my process. And I feel I, I'm in this position and that's what I get from your podcast is bringing all these people on who are experts or the best at what they're doing or doing something that you haven't put any time into. And you're like, I can kind of... And, and social capital lasts a lifetime. Yep. So I'm getting this... Like you heard me earlier sending a voice text to Peter... Sisu Sauna founder, I'm getting a sauna built in my backyard. So I need an electrician for that. Who do you think I reached out to? Peter? No, Ian. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? He's in the real estate business. He probably knows it. He probably knows a, an electrician, right? Yeah. And even before that, I was posting online about electricians. My buddy Kevin, who got his electrician connection from Ian, reminded me that I should reach out to Ian. And then Ian's connection give me a, a lot more fair of a price than I found on my own. And even prior to that, that winter storm that we had in Austin where my home flooded, who did I call? Ian gave me the insurance agent to call. And then who helped me figure out what I should be doing in that process? My buddy Jorge, who was a general contractor, who I met at Entreminded, a networking and kind of like club prior to COVID. And he, he builds out homes and does random things like that. Hey. So just 
I can solve problems so quickly. Like life is just problems. It's one problem after another. You you can't go through life without experiencing problem. I think you had an episode that said there's no problems, it's only challenges. Life is a bunch of challenges. Yeah. I feel that um, there was a challenge for me this year around business. And I think that a lot of people listen to you from a business aspect to thrive. And that's, you've gotten into entrepreneurship as a kickstart. What have you found as a common point from your guests as a challenge that they keep seeing? And then the one that seems to be like the way to overcome that hurdle. Do you see patterns across people for when they go into entrepreneurship that they talk about? The biggest pattern I see is impatience. It's wanting what you want. (laughs) Sounds kind of stupid, but if I were to ask you like, what do you want? And you're like, I want a million dollars. You'll say that, but to get to a million dollars, if I say you need to wake up every day and work out and eat better and do things that you have on your checklist and build a team, now you're like, that's a lot. So everybody struggles with the same thing. It's, man, when I wake up, I know I got a lot I got to do. And there's a lot of things I don't want to do to get to the thing that I actually truly want. The people that are able to focus, like going back to the Eric Hinman discussion, if you're able to focus and knock out days, you're going to get to that final goal. The people, and there's some around us, you'll see, they tell us that they want these big things, but they're not willing to work on the small things. The small things are really what matter. Systems, team building, complete ownership over yourself and how you're showing up every day. How are you running your meetings? It looks like this is where thinking comes into place. Don't overthink, but think just enough to know what is it about. um, A takeaway that I've had from this whole episode is feel like reflecting internally on, do I truly love myself and the future version of myself to make sure that I focus on whatever is the task at hand, whether that's through health, I'm going to show up to the gym, whether that's in business and I'm going to do this task because it's going to move the needle. I don't need to multitask and edit my files and open my email or whether that's with wisdom. Am I, I want all these things, but I know that I'm not going to get everything all at once. It's one thing at a time. It's also putting more on the list to do than that needs to be done. Every go-getter does that. They bite off more than they can chew. In some instances, like you need that. That's what, that's what gets you to the next level every single time. But when you start growing in entrepreneurship, you start realizing that you go from the executor to somebody that needs to understand the full scope and help other people execute. And there's a huge difference in helping other people execute what your day-to-day life looks like compared to being the executor of everything. And that's the second part that I would say most people struggle in is they struggle to go from a small level CEO to a mid-level CEO to, I've never really worked with any, I can't speak to this, but like I would say any company is over a hundred people CEO, I'd say zero to 50, I have a good 
understanding of how people operate. Because as soon as you get to, I would say, 10, 20, 30 employees, now you're starting to lead the leaders if you're the CEO. But then once you get into a massive company, it's like you have, you're the CEO, then you have presidents, then you have vice presidents, then you have like, there's so many chains. One, I've never cared to get to that, to that big. It just doesn't, I'm not obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with how do you take one person, one idea, and then grow that to five people. 10 people, maybe 50 people. How do you create this working ecosystem and organism from one person and their idea? And so many people struggle with, including myself, the biggest thing with Thrive and why I've been taking a long time. It's like, we're five years in and still people are like, what is it? (laughs) Well, they're asking, what is it? Because I'm fucking asking myself, what is it? But I'm allowing myself to do that. I think a lot of people don't allow themselves to say, this is a 50 year game. Like when I, when I got that tattoo of thrive on my arm, this is a lifetime thing for me. So I don't have to go at lightning speed. I can take it a little bit slower, ask myself some questions. And then year by year, as long as I reflect on that year and say, did we progress in the way that I wanted to progress? And if I can check off, yes, even if it's a smidge, then I won. I feel this is a great segue into the question that you usually end your episodes with, um, where I want to now ask you, you tend to ask, what does thrive mean to you? What does thrive mean to you, CJ? I'm going to plead the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't necessarily want to define thrive. I what I think about that word is more so how do you show up and how do you feel when you're not thriving? And for me personally, I know that shows up with, I am meaner to my wife and people around me than I should be. I am not making decisions that are of gratitude and appreciation, but instead they're of spite and of resentment. I'm not filling my own cup up. I'm attaching myself to the want to be liked and to be heard rather than being the one that's listening and giving with good intentions. When I think of Thrive on Life and I look at the quote unquote thriving life that I want to build, it's me chipping it away at all the things that keep me from thriving. So I haven't necessarily even thought about defining it because to me, there is no definition. That's why I ask everybody that question at the end because everyone has their own definition of it. So there is no definition in my view. And that's why I love hearing everybody's. And for me, All it comes down to is when I look back on my day, what are the things that I did that I felt weren't helping me get to the person that I want to be? And that's a never ending process. That's an infinite process. Yeah, this is uh, going back to the start of the episode when you talked about, I've done all these things in my health and I viewed you as the stuff and there's these tiny imbalances and I need to tweak at those 
for me to go further, for me to feel even better. It's not necessarily adding more, but getting rid of what you kind of have too much of. It comes down to, okay, you're sitting in Aaron and I's new house. So you get in this new house and you immediately find yourself, what's the next house? You make a million dollars and you're like, what's, how do I get to 10 million? You run a six minute mile. How do I run a five minute mile? Human beings just naturally do that. It's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just the thing that we naturally do. So when I reflect on that and I imprint that methodology into Thrive, it's the same thing. It's, I could be thriving today, but I also could be one level of thriving more tomorrow. But I don't get there by asking myself, what more do I add to Thrive? I get there by saying, what felt wrong yesterday? And how do I chip away at that? And then just by nature, I'm going to be in a better place tomorrow just because I reflected on today and chipped away at the things that I am not proud of from today. Yeah, I love that. Thanks. That was uh, kind of the realm of where I wanted to take the direction of this whole thing. So thanks for humoring my desire to just kind of delve into a few of these episodes that you had, the takeaways that you were able to gather from it. And then in turn, selfishly, I was able to get my own set of takeaways. Um, How do you feel? Like I'm thriving. I feel that I chipped away at this thing in the past where created the construct of what I need to be speaking. And I've got to your point, a vision for I've done this. I feel like I can improve on how the conversation goes, but I'm content. I'm, I'm great with what I've done. I'm going to look back at this conversation and see what I could have slightly tweaked to move on further. And I'll give you an end and ending point that'll help you in that direction. So there's, um, I'm putting together a performance coaching program and I created this theme around AAA, awareness, action, accountability. The first step to anybody performing better is just having the awareness that, wow, I could probably do a little bit better at whatever it is that you're trying to do. Second is you don't get better by thinking about getting better. Like I don't become a world-class, I don't become world-class at anything by thinking about, I wish I could become world-class, right? So you got to take action. You got to define the action. And then once you define the action, you got to find some sense of accountability. So whether that's hiring a coach, joining a team, going to a therapist, you have to find that accountability that's going to then come full circle where you just continue to grow your awareness, take bigger action, continue to be accountable to all of that. So I'm going to ask you, what is the next action that you plan to take and how are you going to hold yourself accountable to that? Uh, I think the next action that I take is kind of around the lines of what you mentioned for what you did for 150 to 200. I use this as a way to share that I've been able to step into this space put myself out there with the ideas around this conversations and be able to showcase just to myself that in this moment in time, I did this and I know how I felt about it and knowing how I feel about it in this current time, I feel great. And I think looking at it when it's 
a physical manifestation on a phone or wherever else, I'm going to feel even more proud. And I think with a timeline aspect, I probably, this episode's going to come out in the next... Next Thursday, baby. So we've got a timeline of next Thursday for having a few things that I get to share from this episode that I really resonated with me and be able to write something based off of that. And what's your accountability for that? Because I've, t- I've told you, you need to be doing some certain things in your life, but then like you don't do it. So like, what's the, what's the accountable system or person or modality that you're going to use to make that shit happen? Putting Yashi on the spot here. You are. I'm trying to think of an accountability aspect more so than this podcast is out and people are listening to it. And I. All right. Here's here's the challenge. You need to you need to produce three pieces of content from this podcast, and you need to put those three pieces of content on three different platforms. All right. Period. Okay. There you go. All right. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. That was Yash Chityani hosting today's episode. Had a bunch of fun. He did an amazing job. And the best thing that you can do for us is if you learn something from this today, share it with a friend that you think could gain something from this as well. We're both uh, open books. So if you want to reach out to us, where do they reach you at, Yash? On my Instagram, which you're going to find in this links. Yes, sir. And reach out to me at cj.finley on Instagram or email me at cjfinley at thriveonlife.com. I love y'all. Please save, share, rate this. Give it that five-star rating for Yash. That's the best way that we can get this into more years and we can help more people thrive on life. Until next time, this is CJ. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.